0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey! Everybody glad you're here. Grateful for those of you watching online. We thank God for you. We love you. If you're here for the first time or... The first time in a long time, we're delighted to have you with us, and I believe that that you're not here by whim or circumstance or accident, but that God has drawn you on this specific day, at this specific moment in your life, to this specific place, to have His specific Word. He wants to speak over your soul. He wants to speak love and hope, and as you will see, wants to speak joy into your life. Um. You've caught us in the middle of a teaching series called Game Changer, and this is the definition we're working on from the Urban Dictionary. It goes like this. A game changer is a significant action. A game changer is a significant, say significant. Significant. Yeah, it's got to be a big deal action. Some flimsy little insubstantial try or attempt is not going to get it. A game changer is a significant action. Usually there's a result of a successful. Say successful. Successful. Yeah, it's got to be a part of a successful plan. If it's not, no matter how hard you work, if it's not part of a successful plan, it ain't going nowhere. So a game changer is a significant action, part of a successful plan. In fact, this is what we're doing every weekend. We are showing you step by step By step of God's plan for your success, your effectiveness in relationships, your emotional effectiveness, your financial effectiveness, God's got a plan of success for you, and when you live it, it changes the entire course of a person's life. If this is your life, you follow this plan, God puts you on a whole new trajectory, relationally, emotionally, mentally, financially, even in terms of your health, in terms of your faith. So, today let me tell you what I'm going to tell you before I tell you and then I te- then I'll tell you. So here's what I want to tell you. Serving God and others is the secret to a life of abundant joy. That's it. You don't aim at being joyful and I'm not talking about lots of happiness. You can buy happiness at Starbucks. Yeah, Just because you see somebody smiling, it just could be the caffeine. You experience happiness when things happen good in your life. And you lose your happiness when things happen bad. Happen good, feel good. Happen bad, feel bad. And if that's you, you'll find your life on an emotional roller coaster, sharp uh, ups, jagged downs. I'm praying that you get joy. And joy doesn't, came, it doesn't come from aiming at what makes you feel better or things going right. I mean, when you've got joy, things can go wrong. Things can happen bad, and the joys God got staying power. So let me show you the difference between a happy person and joyful people with this next video clip. This is a Nitro Circus. Anybody watch Nitro Circus? These are a bunch of crazy, wild guys who do incredible daredevil stunts. And in this stunt, they're trying to ride a three wheeler 70 miles an hour. They call it pond, pond skimming. They're trying to hydroplane all the way across a pond um, without sinking their bike or killing themselves. These guys are nuts. What's this? How's <laughs> work? Oh, <no, Lord. laughs> <laughs> Dismount Perfect. is a 10. 11. Perfect. Best shot of the day. He's done the same thing. That was his seventh time. You go as fast as a three wheeler will go, goes 70 miles an hour. You're going to make it about the same distance before it either sinks or goes sideways. You can try it. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's back. I hope to God he doesn't make this. There's no way he's making he it. He will. I mean, if it, I guess, yeah, he'd be the one to do it. You're right. Oh, no. hey. oh. i made it. <laughs> they cast a lot. That's solid land right there. Everything was going so good, what happened? I oh. got <laughs> no. Seven times this thing has been sunk. It just keeps After, getting back up. You can't, you can't. What about me, Duffy? I've been sunk seven times too. No way. Yeah. Dude, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> Give me eight tries. Eight times that thing's been underwater. She still runs great. Still, I don't build them like they used to, man. That's the happy guy. He did something. He tried seven times. On the eighth time, he achieved his goal. And so he's happy. Something good happened to him, and so he's happy. But the guys with joy are the guys who are cheering him on. The guys with joy are the guys who are celebrating his achievement, celebrating him. They are joyful because their focus is off themselves, their failed attempts, and is on him and his successful attempt. Joy is celebrating other people. And joy is only possible when you forget about yourself and focus on serving others. And so I know a bunch of you, you've come with your struggles today, and this is the challenge. You forget your struggles, and you focus on serving someone else in struggle. Let's say, hypothetically, that you found out this week that you got cancer, and so you come to church, and you say, David, how can I have joy if I've got cancer? Well, here's the deal. Sure, the struggle is real, maybe painfully impossible, but you set aside your own struggle, go to a cancer ward and begin to visit and serve and comfort and console and minister to people who have cancer. Yeah. You you come to church and, and you're crying and I, and I come around to shake your hand or to get a hug and you say, David, um, I'm going through a divorce and I'm, I'm just really broken over for me and for my kids. How can I have joy when I'm going through a divorce? Here's the deal. Go to our divorce support group. Set aside your needs, your pain, your hurt, and begin to serve and comfort and counsel and come alongside and celebrate other people on their journey to recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Joy is all about celebrating others. We set aside, and it takes practice. It's a discipline because we are so conditioned to be self-consumed. But when we, the big, 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 big benefit of forgetting ourselves and focusing on others is that we begin to experience The joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord dominates over cancer, dominates over broken relationships, dominates over wherever we might be emotionally. The joy of the Lord is the dominant feature of a person's real life who is in a real relationship with Jesus. In fact, you see, here's what Jesus taught. He said this to his closest followers. He said, I've told you these things. I've given you these instructions. I've taught you these lessons. And all these lessons are about this, that if you learn it, if you live it, my joy, not garden variety, everyday run-of-the-mill joy. I'm talking about the joy of Jesus. That my joy, look at this, Jesus is never satisfied just to give us a little. No, it's joy and delight. I've told you these things that my joy and delight may be in you and that your joy may be made full, complete. That means nothing missing. Everything is there in you for unquenchable joy and overflowing. So Jesus says, You get my joy in you by living what I've taught, and your joy is full, complete, and overflowing. In fact, your joy spills out of you and into the lives of the people that are around you. The opposite is also true. Your lack of joy can spill out of you and into the other kids at school, the other people at work, or the other folks in your your home. Here's the secret. Jesus said, this is about me. I'll show you. He says the Son of God did not come to be served, and who would more merit? Who would be more wor- worthy of service? I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He is Lord of lords and King of kings. He is robed in majesty. He is resplendent in light, and he is forever in a perpetual state of joy with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. The three of them just keep energizing and generating genuine joy inside themselves, and that's why they made you, and that's why they made me, so they can have more joy by giving joy away. To others. The Son of Man, the Son of God Himself did not come to be served. No, there ain't no joy in that, but to serve and to give His life for others that others might be free. Do you see the connection? Joy comes this way serve, give for others. And it's what Jesus exemplified. In fact, there was, Jesus didn't just give lectures. Um, he would role model his lessons. He would act them out. He would live them out. I mean, it wasn't an act, it was just really him. And so, one time, unmistakably, clearly, he models humbly serving others, forgetting yourself. Strips off his robe, dressed like a slave, goes down on his knees, and begins to scrub away a day's worth of work from a friend's feet. Does all of his disciples. And having done that, he says, now you get it, don't you? Now you get it. Now you know it. Now you see it. And here's the promise he made. He says, you know these things. you got it figured out. Now live them. Don't just learn them. Live them. And when you live them, this is the path of blessing. He said, you you can put your marriage on a path of blessing. You can put your friendships on a path that is on the receiving end of God's blessing. You can put your emotions, you can put your money, you can put your life on a path that receives blessings. Now, that word blessing in the Greek is makarios. Jesus used this word over and over and over and over and over again because he wanted the dominant feature in our lives to be joy. And the word makarios means the joy of God's favor. I call it OMG joy, that let's say you serve others with your finances, and then you're like, oh my gosh, God, look what you're doing to my money. I helped them a little bit, but you're helping me a lot. Or you serve people with your time or your energy or your ability and you're like, oh my gosh, God, look what you're doing, how you're serving me, how you're helping me, how you're strengthening me, how you're caring for me, how you're protecting me, how you're providing for me. Oh my gosh, God, you're so good. It's oh my gosh joy. And you see, OMG joy is not what you aim at. It's a byproduct. It just happens Naturally, as a result of you serving and celebrating other people, serving their needs, celebrating their journey. And what you find, what you find as you serve and celebrate others, God lifts you up, God exalts you, God takes you to the higher ground of super abundant living, super abundant joy, peace, hope, love. And see, oftentimes, a lack of joy is simply evidence of your sense of entitlement, that you feel like you deserve to be treated in a certain way, that you are entitled to respect. That that, that was me. When my kids were young, I felt like, hey, I'm the dad, you're the kid, I deserve your respect. In addition to that, what made it really painful for me, I believe in unconditional respect and dignity to be shown to everyone. Did you see that uh, this week, the picture of uh, former President Bush and Ellen DeGeneres at at a football game, laughing and having a good time together, and then how she got hammered um, by people because she would associate with um, former President Bush? Now, I'm admire and respect how she came against that, but I I believe people can disagree with me, but they are worthy of my unconditional respect, unconditional dignity, because they're human beings. They are worthy of unconditional. So I have this feeling. I believe people are worthy of unconditional respect. In addition to that, I'm the dad, and you're showing me disrespect. You're being very disrespectful. That hurt me. You see, I felt entitled. And when you feel entitled, you can't have joy. It's like you deserve this kind of house. You deserve this kind of money. You deserve to be treated in a certain way. And as long as you feel entitled that you deserve or that you have these expectations of others or of life or of God, you're just going to be miserable. Did you know that most people in the world are miserable? Sadly, most people that go to church are miserable. So how do we counter in David this sense of entitlement? Here's what the Apostle Paul said. God breathed on the Apostle Paul, and he wrote this, do nothing from selfish, I'm sorry, I'm quoting the King James, and it ain't up there. The King Jimmy says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, This says, do nothing from self-centeredness or empty conceit, but with humility, regard the the, the needs of others as more important than your own needs. That's a secret. Sure, you have needs, but guess what? If you focus on the needs of others, the emotional needs, the financial needs, the the, the physical needs, the, the relational needs, if you focus on the needs of other people, God meets your needs. And so, you know, maybe you just feel like, hey, dude, I'm tough, I'm smart, I can meet my own needs. Well, good luck with that. Because even if you can meet your own needs, you've got a God who is good, you've got a God who loves you, you've got a God who's willing to go to work to your good, and when he meets your needs, it goes super abundantly more than anything anyone or you could do for yourselves. Hey, Um, Did you know that there's like a joy how-to manual in the Bible? And all you got to do is apply, and it's a short book. It's the book of Philippians. It's a letter, four chapters in this letter, and it's step-by-step how to live with joy as a dominant feature of your life. And this is Jesus we're talking about. So he can take, you know what I love, Psalm 103, it says, you know, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know God, and here's the benefit. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases, mental, emotional, physical, and he redeems you from the pit. No matter how deep, no matter how dark, He reaches down with His love. He lifts you up. He exalts you. And it goes on to say, now He's not satisfied just to get you out of the pit. He crowns you with His love and compassion. He redeems you. So you focus on meeting the needs of others and be confident God's going to take care of this in me. God's got my back. He's going to provide. He's going to protect. He's going to take me to a whole new place. Now, this book of joy, guess where it was written? Paul wrote it, and he wrote it in a dark, dank dungeon. He's chained to the wall. Can't see the hand in front of his face. Doesn't get much food. It ain't good food. And the water's dirty. Dirty. That's his life, and that's where he has joy, and that's where he writes of joy, and he writes this way. I will go on being very joyful. They may have me chained. They may, they may not feed me. I may not get good water. I may be in the dark. I may be in this dungeon, but I will go on being very joyful. Why? I know that what is happening to me will be the, for the good of my soul. That's part of the secret because life doesn't always go good. Sometimes life goes terribly wrong. But you can have a life that has gone terribly, painfully wrong. And in the midst of it, you can experience joy when you believe that God is at work in the pain to your good. He's going to make you stronger. He's going to bring about his best version of you. He's he, he going to give you wisdom. He's is, he is going to give you strength. He, he, he is going to give you love. He is going to give you peace. And as you experience the peace and the pain and, and in the trouble, you see triumph coming. That's my God. Then you feel joy. You cannot contain the joy that you receive from a God like that. In fact, Paul says, these prison bars aren't going to stop me. Um, from serving you so I get joy. These prison bars aren't going to stop me from celebrating you so I get joy. He says this, I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I can do it by writing you this letter. I can do it by praying for you. When I first came to Beloit in 1981, there was an elderly woman, I mean really elderly, even older than me, (laughs) completely disabled, Lived her life in bed, all like this. But in that crippled body, in that bed, she could pray. One of the most joyous women and cub fan, (laughs) which which is a hard combo. Uh, but, But she was so joyous because she spent all day long. If she was awake, she was praying, I will go over to visit her. And she would want to know from me how she could pray for me. Paul says, this prison ain't going to stop me serving you and growing you. It's not going to stop me from growing my own joy. You see, the secret to experiencing joy is helping others experience joy. That's got to be the the dominant aim of our lives. When my biological boys uh, were little, those of you that know Jake and Josh, I'll have to ask them about it. But I lived, uh, we lived, our family lived on the east side of town. They were going to school on the west side of town, across the street from our old church building. And so I would drive, and I wanted them. You know, we didn't have car seats for kids back in those days, so I kept them in dog cages. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I would drive them to school, and I wanted them walking up the sidewalk to that school building. I wanted them opening the door to the school with a song in their heart, a skip in their step. I wanted them to be full of joy. So as I drove them to school, we'd leave our street, hit Cranston, hang a right, start to go by the Dairy Queen. I'd go, Dairy Queen, Dairy Queen. I'd whip the car in the Dairy Queen and drive around and say, Dairy Queen, about three times. And the boys in the back are going, Dad, Dad, you're gonna make us late, Dad, Dad, you're gonna get us in trouble. And they are laughing until tears are coming down their cheeks. And I said, oh, okay, okay, we'll get back on the road, Cranston to Riverside. Riverside through the Henry Street Bridge. And when I should be going straight to go toward Burge, I hang a sharp left and then pull into the drive-thru of Burger King. Burger King! Burger King! I go by that little talking box. Burger King! Go by the drive-thru window. Hey, Burger King! Dad, Dad, you're going to make us late. Dad, Dad, you're going to get But when my voice climbed out of the car, you know, they were pushing each other and laughing and trotting off to the school door. I wanted them. I wanted my joy in their joy. And genuine joy happens as you help others experience joy. In fact, when you get the joy, when you get the OMG joy going in you, you know what you say. You know, in fact, this is how you increase your joy. Have you ever pumped up a ball? This is how you pump up your joy. You say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is what gets me through the marital struggles. The the joy of the Lord is what gets me past the financial setback. The joy of the Lord gets me through the ups and downs of life. So the joy, joy, joy is wherever I go. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So Paul, he's in this jail cell, and he's writing out, maybe by the light of a candle that somebody gave him, but he writes these words to the church in Philippi. God is effectively at work in you. Now that's God's word for you today. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what your struggles are. But here's what I know. God is effectively, effectively. God, I'm not talking about your plumber. I'm not talking about college professor. I'm not talking about your boss at work. I'm not talking about your mama. God is effectively at work in you. Look what God does. He strengthens. He energizes. He creates. In you, the passion and the power to fulfill your purpose in life for his pleasure, for his good pleasure. Nothing gives God more joy than seeing you live joyously the very purpose of your life. And so what does God do? He works effectively in you, strengthening, energizing, creating, giving you the power and passion to live your purpose joyously, and that gives him great joy. In fact, Paul goes on to say, hey, if I die in prison helping you have joy, if I am to die for you, even then I'll be glad because I'm serving you, and I will share my joy with each of you with my last breath. Look what he says. Your faithful service is an offering to God. He didn't say your faithful attendance. You can attend church and be miserable. It's religion if you just come, sit, sing, listen, and leave. That's religion. A real relationship with Jesus serves others. In fact, before this talk is over, I'm going to ask God to open your heart that you would be willing to serve children, that you would greet families that come into our church with a handshake, that you would help serve in our worship, that you'd be a part of our security team. There's a multiplicity of opportunities. But that's a real relationship with Jesus you got to break free of the religion that just comes, sit, sing, listen, and leave. And here's, excuse me, here's the wild thing. When you serve others, God serves you. You, you. you give yourself to helping those little ones that were up here on the stage. And my grandson was up here, and I didn't identify him because he was wearing a mustache. <laughs> Dang it! I hope we videoed that. But, you know... When you serve others, and it's not just, okay, I'll say it this way. You serve others and God serves you. And he can serve you way better than you can serve yourself. Okay, but I'll say it this way. God serves you as or in the same way that you serve others. If you're half-hearted, Why should he give a rip? But if you are full bore making a difference in somebody else's life, setting aside your needs, setting aside your pain, and focusing on the concerns of others, if you're going full bore to counsel them and comfort them and support them and celebrate them, God is going to go full bore to support and counsel and help and heal and make a difference in your life. In fact, Paul goes on to write, My God, can you say, My God? Yeah, this is a very deeply personal thing. My God will liberally, fully supply your every need according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Not according to Bill Gates' riches, though he's got a lot, there's still a limit to a lot. Not according to if you are relying on Dave Clark's riches, you are Jack Duck out of luck. It's not just that I don't have it, I ain't going to give it. I'm just messing with you. According to God's glorious riches, they are unending. They are unlimited. You serve God by serving people, and God serves you with his unlimited, unending favor and blessing on your life. But this story did not begin with Paul in a prison cell. This is 60 A.D., 60 A.D., 30 years after the the death of Christ or 27 years after the death of Christ, he's stuck in this hole for his faith. That's not where the story starts. The story starts 10 years earlier in 50 A.D., just maybe around 17, 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul is an addict, and his drug is OMG joy. He can't get enough. And he knows it comes from serving others, so he's just serving everybody at every place, at every opportunity. And then he gets to the place where there's no more churches. He served every church in every town. Look at the Word of God. Acts 16 says, they, Paul and his team of Nitro Circus guys... They went from town to town instructing the believers. What do you think they were teaching them? Here's what they were teaching them. They were teaching them the teaching of Jesus. Forget yourself, focus on others, serve others and God will serve you and you will have the joy of the Lord to be your strength. They went from town to town instructing the believers. So, church, here's what happens when everybody in the church says, I'm going to set aside my needs. I'm going to set aside my pain. I'm going to set aside my struggle. And in the midst of my struggle, I'm going to serve those who are struggling. I'm going to comfort. I'm going to counsel. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to strengthen. I'm going to love. I'm going to support. I'm going to celebrate. And look what happens. The churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Well, they ran out of towns. They ran out of churches. They'd been everywhere, and they said to themselves, well, we've come all the way from the east in Israel. Now, let's just keep going west where there are towns with no churches. And God is like, "Uh uh-uh, baby. Time out. Stop. You ain't going west. Okay, we'll go north. And God's like, no, time out. You ain't going north. And so they stayed right there. There's no joy in just traipsing after our own dreams or our own plans. In fact, here's the truth God's purpose is more important than my plan. God has a purpose for your marriage, and it's more important than your plan for your marriage. God has a purpose for your finances, and it's more important than the plan you might have for your finances. So they go to bed that night. And Paul has a dream. He has a vision. You see, God shows us when, when we can't see with physical eyes, God gives us spiritual insight. Here's what the Word of God says. Uh, this is Paul's dream. Um, he, he saw a man from Macedonia in Greece. Um, he was standing there pleading with Paul. Please, come over to Macedonia and serve us. And, and Paul's so addicted to OMG joy. It's like, right now, it may be the middle of the night. Dawn may be a long time away. We, but let's get our stuff together. If God says go, we're going to go. And they left Macedonia at once. And having concluded, this is why I concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. The good news is Jesus crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. But there, friends, there is incredible, special blessing to immediate obedience. Sometimes in me, I don't know if it's God's voice or bad pizza, but I ain't taking a chance. I'm going to get up and do whatever God says because I know that if I take immediate action on what God is telling me to do, there is special favor of God to flow into my life. Emotional favor and mental favor and financial favor and family favor and friendship favor. Um, So look what happened. We boarded a boat to Troas or at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothra. Yeah, that town right there. Samothrace, okay? And the next day we landed in Neapolis, and from there we reached Philippi. One guy shows up in Paul's dream. There are 300,000 people in Macedonia. Philippi is the biggest, most influential community in Macedonia, and Paul's looking for one guy and all those folks. But did you notice, before they got to Philippi, They had to take this step and this step and this step. God does not take us there all at once, wherever there is for your marriage, wherever there is for your money, wherever there is for your emotions. God does not take you there all at once, but one step at a time. And he uses his word. Scripture says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. So I go to God's word. Okay. I do this, immediate obedience. Go back to God's word, light, one more step. It's a light to my path, a lamp to my feet. And so I go to God's word and step. Okay, immediate, go to God's word and step. One emotional step, one relational step, one financial step to get there. So they get there after each of these steps and they can't find the guy. They're looking all around. Which is the guy, Paul? Who would you see in your dream? And so they decided on Saturday, the Jewish day of worship, they would go to the Jewish place of worship. Now, to have a Jewish place of worship, there had to be 10 Jewish men. No Jewish men. There's no Jewish place of worship. And so they start to go outside town. Uh, So on the Sabbath, the Jewish day of worship, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. See, I believe it was the, God answering their prayers on the riverbank that gave Paul the vision. We, we pray all the time for people like you who'd be willing to be up here and serve with these children, particularly the one with the mustache. Um, to serve, in our first impressions, our guest Ministry, or our security ministry, our youth ministry. We're, we're praying that God will open your heart to say, Yes, I am no longer. I'm sick of just sitting, singing, listening, leaving. I'm going to step it up and serve my Jesus. And we sat down to speak to some. What the heck? Who was in Paul's dream, eh? He goes looking for a man and he finds women. Let's hear it for the women. Yeah. Now, the smart men in the room were clapping right there, you know, like, yeah, honey. This is the first church in Eastern Europe. This is the first church in Europe, and it is planted by a group of women sitting on a riverbank. You see, God doesn't do his thing the way you thought he would. He's way bigger than your perspective, your insight. But you know this, he's going to do it for your good. You don't know how he's going to do it. You don't know when it's going to get done. You don't exactly know what he's going to do, but he's going to do it for you and for your good. That's what you can know. And that's what happened there. Um, you, you see, if you're like Paul and you look for a place to serve today, if you, if you came here looking for a place to serve, you will find it. You go out to our balloon area where the ice cream is um, melting. I'm just kidding. You look for a place to serve, and God will show you your perfect fit in ministry. It may take some experimentation. It may taste this and taste that till you find where he has his heart for you. But if you serve, he will serve you. Now, one of them, one of the women was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God, who loved God, who believed in God. And and as she listened to Paul and his team, the Lord opened her heart. So this is what I'm hoping for you. Maybe you've just been a, a religious person who comes and sits and sings and listens and leaves. But I'm asking you today to engage in a real relationship with Jesus. I'm praying that the Lord opens your heart to serving Jesus. Joy is going to be a byproduct But to tell you the truth, I'm glad I get joy from what I do, but to tell you the truth, I do what I do to serve you because Jesus died for my sins. He served me on a bloodstained cross. God raised him from the dead, exalted him to the highest place with a name above every name. That's why I serve. Joy or no joy, it's all about Jesus, and that's what I want for you. For Lydia, she and her whole house, all were baptized that day her husband her kids her grandkids her extended family her servants they were all baptized so if you'll stand with me right now I'm going to pray over you that you allow the lord to open your heart would you bow with me please father god you're the creator of the universe You are the Lord of heaven and earth. You made the sky and the sea, the land, all that's in them. You made everything out of nothing. Nothing's too hard for you. And you want to give us joy. So I'm praying right now, Father, with loving kindness, would you use your loving kindness to open the heart of uh, of every person in this room, that their hearts would open to serving Jesus, to serving others in his name, and that you would just inundate them with joy. In that name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centerwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.